Lindsay, Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks for having Thanks, us. So you guys have an extremely interesting niche market. Do you mind just sharing what it is? Yeah. So Shane and I work in the area of investing in accessibility. So together we form for function sake homes and hopefully we'll have a announcement about some new partners coming on board soon. But really what we're looking to do is create accessible rentals in the Alberta market in a variety of ways. We believe you can create investing in accessibility in many different types of markets. So long-term holds, flips, short-term rentals, et cetera. But really one of our core values and missions is to increase the number of homes that are accessible on a continuum to tenants available in Alberta and just really serve a need that's in our community. What is accessible living? So this is something that gets turned around a little bit sometimes. So there's three main terms that come up and that's accessibility, barrier-free design and universal design. So if you can think of those kind of in a little bit of a stack or a hierarchy, so accessibility can be on a continuum. So when we think accessibility, we think about somebody who needs to probably have a wheelchair or wheelchair access to their home, wheelchair use throughout their home. But realistically, accessibility is there to meet the needs of the person. So that might be sensory needs. If we think of children with autism, that might be mobility concerns. So maybe just somebody with bad knees. It might be somebody in a wheelchair. It might be vision deficits, hearing deficits. So accessibility is a little bit more focused. Then you have barrier-free design, which is what our codes are built on. So our building codes. So in Alberta, we have a barrier-free design guide that lists step-by-step what those things, the minimums for barrier-free design is. So, and those are built for someone living in a wheelchair. And then at the top of that hierarchy, we have universal design and universal design is kind of all-encompassing. It is not designed for someone with a disability. It is designed for the maximum number of people to be able to use it. So that means that anyone could use a home that is built with universal design principles, whether they have zero disability, whether they have different types of minor disability that you know maybe impacts one or two areas of their life, or it could be somebody who needs maximum assistance in terms of that accessibility. Does that make sense for you, Jeremy? Did I nail that? I think it does. Now, why would, you mentioned flips earlier, why would somebody who is making either a flip property or a short-term rental, why should they be looking for ex- making a accessible living or staying in one, I should say? Shane, do you want to talk about supply and demand currently? Yeah. So we'll just talk about Edmonton on the whole and kind of surrounding areas. So basically, if you were today to go on to RentFaster, Kijiji and search up accessible rentals, you'll find that there is availability in condos for they say that's accessible because there's a elevator if someone's in a wheelchair but when you actually go to the listing and take a look at the listing there's just that and only that there is nothing that is accessible in these units in all of Edmonton if you look at Airbnb like I have and Lindsay have and you click on barrier free filter or wheelchair access there's zero rentals at all in in Edmonton and surrounding area it's something that is 
very well needed and I feel like it's being overlooked and, you know, there might be some people that think that, you know, it's too expensive, you know, there's, there's not going to be much of demand for it, but when you actually dig down deeper, it, there is a huge demand for it. And I think if more people know about this and we get the word out there a little bit more, it'll kind of open up the eyes to opportunity that are, that are there in front of you kind of thing. What kind of people are looking for accessible units? Is it just the elderly? No, and that's kind of a that's kind of a ongoing misconception that it's only elderly that are looking. But if you actually dig down into the stats, you know, there's one in five people in Canada that are living with disabilities. So if you look at that stat, you know, there's people with mobility issues, are blind, have MS, you know, there's a number of other disabilities that people deal with and they are all looking for a home and like you mentioned before about there's a there's an investor in Edmonton that's re-engineering homes and selling them to provide accessible homes and that he's doing very well with it because there is such a demand for it it's only going to grow as well like in Canada we're supposed to be getting to about 10.4 million seniors by 2037 which is going to be you know a huge number that Canada isn't ready for, just like the affordability in Canada already being a problem. We strongly believe that Lindsay and I believe that this is going to be the same with accessibility and that because Canada did bring in an act called the Accessible Canada Act in 2019. And the Fed's goals are to make Canada fully accessible, inclusive Canada by 2040. And as we know, with the accessibility side of th- or the affordability side of things, they had to bring the private sector into it because they needed help. And we fully believe that this is going to happen in the accessibility world as well. Why is there going to be an increasing demand in it? So I think one of the things, sorry, Shane, I just want to jump in there is that right now people are taking what they can get. So accessibility can happen in terms of a crisis situation. You know, someone, for example, has a stroke and they need different, different things in their home in order to receive the best care, in order to complete their daily tasks, you know, showering, bathing, eating, cooking, all the different things, right? But the other piece to that is going to be that the the generations in their 20s, 30s, and 40s are watching the boomers go through this. And they're the ones needing to support their parents and different people through this. And it's sticking out like a sore thumb that there is not a supply of homes or even, you know, assisted living, supportive living, long-term care that is available for those people. We know about the crunches in the healthcare system. So taking one giant step back into independent living, you know, people want to live in their own home. They want to be in their own space. And oftentimes as an occupational therapist, my job in the community was to tell people that they could no longer live at home. And that's, A, it's awful. And B, we'd look around, they'd say, do you know anywhere I can go? No. So they would make do with what they have. And when I say make do, like people are using engine lifts to be a porch lift. People are using like plant hooks and ceilings to like be a pole. They're just trying to make do with what they have. Whereas this next generation, our generation, I know Shane and I are the same age, Jeremy, you're a little younger, right? (laughs) But are thinking about and planning ahead and thinking about, you know, if this is me, 
what happens? Or if this is my family, what happens? If I have a child with disability, what do I do? Because I can't go on like this forever. And then you bring in, you know, we talk a lot about immigration and investing and we have lots of multi-generational homes happening and people want to care for their own families. They want to do these different things. And literally there's just not the spaces available to do it. So I don't think that our generations are going to put up with that. They are going to demand that something happens and the government is going to mandate these things to start happening. So for example, new multifamily builds would not be out of the realm to say that in the next 10 years, that they mandate that a piece of it needs to be accessible. Interesting. Does that make sense? It does. I haven't heard of that perspective on the multifamily here though. It hasn't come yet. Yeah. I believe it will. Very interesting. Now you have mentioned before one, like a time crunch, what kind of scenarios could people be looking at or in order to put that time crunch on them initially? So a time crunch. So if someone, for example, has a, an onset of an illness or an incident, you know, you talk about who would this be for, it might be that they're waiting for a knee replacement. It might be that they have a child whose health is failing with their mobility issues. It might be that they've experienced something themselves, a cardiac event, a stroke, dementia, whatever that might look like. And our public health care system here in Alberta cannot keep up with the demand. So for example, I'm going to use my own rural community as an example. The occupational therapist, who is the person who helps create accessibility in the home, in the in this rural area, in my community of Pinoka, works two days a week. And we would have a wait list of 100 people. So literally, we are putting out fires. So I'm going to get in there and try and use equipment and resources and as quick a fix as possible so that I can go to the next person. Right. And then we talk about, you know, the COVID pandemic. So for example, we think about if somebody's moving out of their home, they're going to go to the lodge. Maybe, maybe they just need the lodge, right? A senior center something like that. However, a lot of the seniors, for example, don't want to be there now because they know that the government can change at any time, the rules and the mandates within those public serve facilities. So it could be that you can't have more than two visitors. It could be that everyone needs to stay in their rooms or be masked. And like, and I'm not judging anyone's views on this, but we saw in 2020 and 2021 lodges that had massive wait lists end up with like 40% vacancies because people were taking their family members home and they were trying to make do in situations that were not, not feasible in the, in the lived environments that they had. So a lot of things are very reactive when we come to that senior population or onset of illness. But the other thing is going to think about those long-term individuals, maybe a, a person with cerebral palsy that's now reaching adulthood and wants lots of independence, but needs certain supports within their home. What does that look like for them? And how do they, maybe they have a, a parent as a caregiver. So now they're aging parent plus that adult child with some dependent needs need to both be able to uh, live their own lives but with supports in place. So if we can create lived environments that support the inclusion of forces and support when necessary, fantastic. 
but always keeping in mind that we are planning for the worst days, hoping for the best. And so my own personal experience with this would be my mom having pulmonary fibrosis and lung cancer, you know, living in a two-story home with zero lung capacity. And literally we installed her stair lifts like months, just months before she passed away. And until two days before she passed, we used stair lifts to allow her to stay in her own home and not have to go into care. So we can always create better experiences for people in their own home. Are stair lifts the best way to make an accessible home? It depends on the home. So in my parents' case, they live in a two-story in Stony Plain, Alberta. And yes, that was the best case. Now, I'm lucky because I know what that looks like. I helped install them. We can do all of that. For other people, it might not necessarily be that. I begged my parents to move out of their home for years and into a bungalow style or at least a home that we consider, quote unquote, full and accessible to a degree where there's a main floor bathroom that can accommodate wheelchair access and there's a main floor bedroom and a zero step entrance. So we can add in ramps, we can add in lifts. Those things are all easy to add in, in most cases. But it, again, depends on what funds you have available. The government has some funds available, especially in Alberta. We are well off that way. But we have some of the worst accessibility stats in the entire country. So once tenants are in and they can access some of those funds through the Alberta government to create an environment that they can th- like flourish in, they don't want to leave because they found a space that works and that's very difficult to find. So why would you move and try and do that in another location? That makes perfect sense. I do want to touch on the government money and grants here a little bit more when we do the investor focused one from the investor perspective. You have mentioned ramps and some other accessibility tools here. What's considerations should people be looking at for accessible living? Is there certain types of doorways or? If you, if you would look at a home, your typical homes, like kind of going off topic here, but the hallways are always going to be tough to deal with when you're dealing with accessible with wheelchairs. It's pretty tough to, to kick out walls and you know, that's an extensive rental, but ideally you want 36 inches coming in with, into the doorway from your entrance and being able to have 36 inch wide throughout your hallways going into the kitchen. I, I don't know if Lindsay, if you can see behind Lindsay there. The yeah, that way. Thank this is you. a very nice accessible kitchen. You can see how someone in a wheelchair can wheel right under the sink and be able to work at the sink there. And as well at the stove, you know, those are items that, that are well needed in an accessible home. Having, you know, top cupboards can be there, but for the most part, it's better to have, you know, the bottom level cupboards only. It's much easier for anybody to work with. Door handles, you know, your typical circle door handles don't work well. So the lever style is more accessible, a lot easier to work with. Rolling into the bathroom or walking into the bathroom, having a floating vanity is, is very much needed. Having your pull bars around the toilet, having... Ideally, five feet in the bathroom radius for turning around is is ideal, which can be tough. I know, like with for function sake homes, when we're going doing our viewings or have been doing our viewings, sometimes you're having to 
knock out a wall between the ensuite bathroom and the main bathroom just to be able to have the room to have a walk-in shower like the one over my shoulder here or you know those are all ways of needing or things that you need an accessible home that you just you don't see on the market and the list could go on and on but those are the main points that if you're looking to provide that to your home and i think sorry just to add there jeremy is that any home could be made accessible for the right amount of money yes and it's often a misconception that accessibility is very expensive and it doesn't need to be so we can choose things that lend themselves better to accessibility obviously the bathroom in shane's picture there is not 100 accessible and we want to tell people like you don't have to be barrier-free 100% to have an accessible rental. You can create elements of that and there's going to be people on a continuum. So for example, my mother-in-law just needs somewhere where we can get a walker through. That's what she needs. She doesn't need something that's going to have the wheelchair. She doesn't need big and fancy like this kitchen in the image behind me. So you can create accessibility on a continuum and know that there are people and tenants that will slot into each and every one of those continuums. And sometimes it's the little things. So for example, in the bathroom that Shane has behind him there, one of my favorite things in that bathroom is the tilt mirror. So that can that's universal design. And the reason I say that is because a tilt mirror is not just for someone in a wheelchair. It's for a child. It's for someone who's five feet tall, like myself. All those different things. There's nothing more frustrating than being a completely able-bodied person and only being able to see my forehead in a mirror. And this happens more often than you think. I think we need to really put that forward is that tenants don't expect perfection. Tenants are willing to work with people and they're going to know what they need. And if they don't, that's where they need to reach out to an expert such as myself, such as Shane. There's many different experts in accessibility who are willing to help people sort out what is a need and what is a want? And there's more than one way to get there every time. So that wheel in shower is beautiful. But if I turn off my video and I'm in my current rental right now, for anyone who's there, who we are, we are, this is a mobility friendly rental. It's an accessible rental. But right now I'm actually sitting on a tub transfer bench. So if someone didn't want to get rid of their tub. We have pieces of equipment that are going to accommodate that and compensate for that. So there's two ways to do everything. That's a really good point. I know growing up, I played a lot of sports and I ended up on a lot of crutches. And sometimes <laughs> just using a, that that pull bar was more than enough that I would have needed anyways. Not that I recommend contact sports or any of the sports that I played, but uh, sometimes... It, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Sometimes even young people, I was, I was a teenager and I was having difficulty getting up sometimes because I was in crutches. I had a broken leg. I had a broken foot, whatever the case may be. So I'm really glad that you call it a continuum. A continuum. Yeah. So it might just be that there's no stairs to get in and everything's on one level. Mm -hmm. It might be that everything is built to the nines for accessibility, but it could be anything in between, right? And we're just going to look at what does that person need? What does that person want? And people are creative. You don't have to be perfect, but as long as you make the effort towards things, we can work with that and nothing is permanent. So things can be changed, especially if you're using compensatory equipment like that tub transfer bench, 
like a wall grab bar, those things can be changed. Yeah. You know, if you're designing a full accessible kitchen like this, yeah, you better make sure that you're doing it really, really well because mm-hmm. it's a lot of money, but that's any beautiful kitchen like this. It doesn't change the cost to the investor or to the tenant, whether this is an accessible or non accessible kitchen. Just takes a little bit of planning. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very nice. Sounds good. I think that's going to be the end of our tenant perspective. Lindsay, Shane, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks.